0: All right, we are excited. We are thrilled to have Rick Bizet with us. And uh, as I was looking at the calendar, I knew that I was gonna be over with the Live Dead board in the Middle East. And then uh, it was spring break for our two boys. And so we said, all right, let's do vacation. And I knew I'd be coming back really jet-lagged. And it was a 16-hour flight from Dubai nonstop to Atlanta. And, man, uh, you just get jet-lagged. And I said, all right, we need a great speaker for the weekend. I'm not going to preach, but who's doing it? We had men's uh, conference. It was Rick Bizet. I said, man, I feel like Rick is an extension of our pastoral staff. How many know what I'm talking about? He's like our southern cousin, Okay? Some of you are like, really? Yes, he is. We're related. All right. And uh, he, I love his humor. I love his anointing. I love that he can take us from serious to laughing, back to serious, back to laughing, and keep us guessing and all is moving us forward. I love that he has a word to share with us, and uh, I'm thrilled that he's preaching this weekend for men's conference and this weekend so I won't waste any more time. This guy pastors an amazing church, and he's given up this weekend to be with us. Can you welcome with me Pastor Rick Bezette? you, <laughs> you got to flip around the other way. Sorry. There it is. Like this.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. All right, turn to somebody and say, you are lucky to be sitting by me. Tell them that. Come on, tell them. Hey, if you love God, give the Lord a hand if you love Him. If you don't love Him, don't. This church, your worship team, you don't want to take that for granted. I mean, the hand of God is on this church, man. When you guys get to heaven, you're going to want to come back here on the weekends. And uh, would you give the worship team a hand as well? All right. Okay, here, here's the deal. I'm going to be talking to you about being real uh, because fake is exhausting. And uh, nobody likes being around a hypocrite. And, and to be honest, the Lord doesn't like it a whole lot either. And uh, if I had a video intro, uh, this is probably what it would look like. Check it out. <laughs> To. Man das got to Haus Come on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That day didn't go so well. I'm glad it was a cat, though, and not a dog. All right, all right. Who likes cats? Why? Uh, I don't know how they made it on the ark. I don't know how. They must have snuck on it. My goodness, man, I love this church. I certainly love your staff, your pastors, uh, you know what I like about the the Ketterlings is the the way. The, first of all, their integrity. I also like the way they're transparent. Look, if they're praying for something, if something's not going right, they're calling friends, saying, "Pray for us." Do you know how unusual that is? Most pastors, they they just fake it. It's like fake it till you make it. And uh, but that's not the way they roll. And the way he teaches the word, and then your worship. I wish it wasn't so far to commute here from, from Arkansas. I'd commute here, not during the winter, uh, but, <laughs> but maybe in the summertime. But, but I want to talk to you about something that I think your staff aces. And, uh, but I want to encourage everybody to jump into this. To be real, because fake is exhausting. Now, we've all made mistakes. And this is where I think we start faking it. We make mistakes and we get off track. And so we just, we just start, we start faking it. Now, I'll prove to you how many mistakes are here in this room. Let's do a quick survey. How many of you have ever lied big time before? Come on. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now. And this is a church. God will kill you. Okay, now no one's want to do anything. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever stole anything? Even a church ink pen? Come on. How many of you ever, uh, procrastinate way too much? Okay, the real procrastinator is not going to raise your hand until later, like next weekend. <laughs> Doing. Oh, man. How many have ever put something in the number one slide and took God out of it? My goodness, think about it. You just admitted to me that you're a liar and a thief and an idolater. Welcome to River Valley Church where we make people feel better about themselves. Okay, all right. All, I, all I'm really trying to say right now is that we do make mistakes and it causes us to stumble. Let me, let me tell you a mistake that my wife made one time, because I'm more confident talking about her mistakes. Uh, my son, when we first moved to Arkansas, uh, he was going around telling people that he was the pastor's son, because he was leveraging that for an extra animal cookie and all that. Well, my wife, you know, she's like, "Because she's not going to put up with that. So she goes over to him. She says, no, 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 this is you're in kid life. You're, you're, you can't go around and try to leverage being a, a pastor's son for a cookie. And he said, are you kidding? It's working great, mom. What you talking? She goes, no, no, no. You just tell him you're Tanner. That's all you get to do. You're Tanner and that's it. So the next weekend, a lady went up to him and said, aren't you the pastor's son? He said, well, I thought I was, but my mom said I'm not. (laughs) How many of you know that'll stunt church growth right there? (laughs) We had a slow start as a church and I never knew what was up. And... um, but here, here's for sure what you must know. You, you're going to have to give God something to work with. And transparency is probably where you're going to have to start. First of all, good news. Maybe the bad news. Depends on the angle you look at it. He already knows where you're weak. He knows all about you. There's a story in the Bible, Jacob. And uh, Jacob, you know, was always wrestling against everybody, God and Everyone. And the Lord was, met, met him one day and said, give me something to work with. And the Lord said, what is your name? But in the Old Testament, it was a little different. He, he was wanting to know his character trait. What is your tendency? And, and, and Jacob, from that point, really didn't have a major encounter with God. But after that point, he never walked the same again. And he looked at him, and he said, what, what is your name? And Jacob said, he said, I'm a deceiver. I've always been that way. And God was saying, okay, now I'm changing your character. You're not, I just needed you to tell me. It's not like the Lord went, what? You're a deceiver. What do you mean? The Lord knows where we're weak. Now, the way this all came together for me, I grew up in a church, it was very legalistic. There was nothing life giving about it. It was nothing like this church. If I could have only been a part of a church like this. If if I would have been raised in a church that gave me the truth and never compromised it, but also gave me grace. This is what you have to have. Truth and grace. Truth is not truth without grace. And grace is not grace without truth. You need the balance. And that's what they give here. All we got was truth. My Sunday school teacher was the most legalistic, mean, she was mean as a snake. She would point at, when I was eight years old, she would point at us and tell us we were all going to hell. One time she taught on the 10 Commandments and I said out loud, golly. She said, that's a form of God's name in vain. You're going to hell. Hell is hot, her finger was 30 foot long. Hell is hot. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. She said, don't you wanna go to heaven? Not if you're gonna be there. And I was struggling. So I remember, seriously, I remember thinking, I just, I don't want to serve, I don't want to serve God. I don't think he wants me to serve him. I think he hates me, okay? I don't know what your story is, but I know there's a lot of ways to end up, many different ways that you can end up at a place where you have no true joy, or maybe you're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip, and then condemnation, and then the lack of confidence, and and then we either give up and say, I just can't serve God, We've lost some great soldiers for Christ that way. Or a lot of people just stay in and then they fake it. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk to the people where you are here right now, and if you were to measure everything completely honest, honestly, you, you would say, you know what? I'm not sincere. My relationship with the Lord is at a different level than, I, than it appears to be. And, and, and if that's you, I, I'm telling you, just give God something To work with. Now, keep that in mind. I want to encourage you through the scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, and this is talking to men and women, since we have confidence, and I want to ask everybody to say confidence. Confidence. To do what? To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, now here's where it gets specific, let us draw near to God. How do you do that? We all want to be close to God, but how? With a sincere heart. In full assurance of faith. And having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We'll probably talk about that. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. I wanna break this down. Number one, if you wanna be real, how how do you get this going? I I think you start out with this point. Be sincere in your approach to God. Let me me just ask, here's here's a good question to ask. How's your prayer life really going? Now, I'm not here to condemn you. I I don't even know how to do that. But I I, I just wanna bring it up so I can encourage you. How's your prayer life? And if your prayer life is struggling, there's a great chance it's because you don't have confidence to, to be in the presence of God. Even worship is awkward for some people. They try to figure out ways to get in late uh, because it's awkward. They don't know how to worship because like, of, of this word guilt, condemnation. Now, let me just tell you, the Lord hates it more than you do. In fact, he went to the cross to destroy it. The Bible even says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy, he went to the cross despising shame. So he can't stand it. He even had joy. We, we call it Good Friday, but it wasn't the best Friday for him. Uh, he was going through a lot of agony, but, but, he, but he had joy in his heart because he knew he was, he was taking shame off of your life. But here, here's the thing. The, the scripture says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but yet there is. So is the Bible wrong? No, No, the Bible's right. Well, what does it mean then? If the Bible says it and yet it's still on us, I'll tell you how. It's illegally attached to you. You don't have to live that way. Paul even said before Romans 8 and verse 1, and and we can see it in in Romans 7, where he's talking about, I want to do the right thing. Every time I try to do the right thing, it's the wrong thing that I keep on doing. It's like a war in my mind. I want to serve God, but I keep doing the wrong thing. It's the evil that I don't want to do that I keep on doing. Who is going to rescue me from this body of death? And then next chapter and verse. Actually, at the end of chapter 7, he realizes it's the Lord. Next chapter. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So this weight that you carry around, we're going to take it off right now because you can live without it. Now, here's how it worked with me. Because I grew up in this church where I was always discouraged, Uh, my my prayer life was never authentic. Uh, I was faking my relationship with God every day. And, uh, and I never prayed. I never sought the Lord. But the primary reason is because I I thought God was mad at me. I never once thought in my entire life until I was in my twenties that the Lord wanted to work with me and do something in my life. So I was always trying to hide. And when I talk to people, this is what they'll say. If you get them to be transparent, they'll say something like this. I think God loves me. There's one or two things that have happened in my life and I don't know if he could ever forgive me for those things. And I just want to say, when you feel that way, it's like you're crucifying the Lord all over again. It's almost like you're saying, hey, the price you paid on the cross was amazing, but it wasn't enough. And I'm just telling you, it was plenty. He paid a price so you can have your swagger, so you can have confidence in your approach to him. Now, here's how I learned. I, I used to be frustrated been in ministry for a long time, and I hang out with people like Rob and different friends of mine. They hear from the Lord so well. I've learned to hear from the Lord much better. But in the initial stages, it it was so hard for me to hear from God. And I have some friends in our church, they hear from the Lord on everything, like which street to drive down and what to wear and all that. I was like, what? I can't. So, So I remember trying to figure out, Lord, why don't you speak to me more? It would save me so much time. God, you're God. You can speak with some pretty amazing decibels and surround sound. But this is not what you do. You speak in a small, still voice. Even your Bible shows that. In the Old Testament, it wasn't in the thunder and the earthquake and the fire and the wind. It was in the whisper. Why, Why in the whisper? And the way he showed me how he does that and why he does it was through my family. In my family, we're Cajun people. We'll eat anything that lives in a ditch. Uh, a crawfish. How many like crawfish? The true Christians that attend here. And, uh, and, but we're loud. We're loud. I don't know if it's the spice in our food, but everything we do is loud. But I have this one child, Grace, who's not loud. She's a, she's a whisperer. So we'd be being loud. <laughs> and all of a sudden we hear mosquitoes. something. are back out. And, uh, and then we said, no, it's Grace. Grace, what do you want? I just want to say, hey. It's like, hey, okay. And it would go back. Here's what I've noticed. To hear a whisper, you've got to be in close proximity. That's right. I think the reason why the Lord speaks with such a still, small voice is because he wants you nearby. Yes. And, and many of us, we, we don't see God from that angle. We, we think that he would prefer for us to go out there. Do you know how many people that are not in church right now who used to serve God? There are 30 to 50 million people in America who used to serve God and go to church, and now they're not. Many of them, I've spoken to many of them, many of them are saying, I'm gonna serve God again. I just gotta get my life right, and then I'm gonna go back. But listen, you can't correct that mess on your own. God wants to be in on that correction. Are y'all hearing me at all? Okay, let me show you what I mean. There's this lady in the Bible. She, she was caught in adultery. When she was caught in adultery, she was thrown at the feet of Jesus by religious people who didn't understand life with Christ. They, they were nothing like this church. And so they threw her at the feet of Jesus. At that point, the religious people in Jesus had the same goal in mind. They wanted her to sin no more. Jesus did and they did. But the way they wanted to stop her sin was to destroy her killing her. So they said, we got to kill her. And Jesus said, yeah, okay, well, let's kill her. He said, but let's do it this way. Let's let the one who's without sin throw the first rock. He knew what he was doing. And then he starts writing on the ground. This lady knows that it's over for her. She's seen this happen. And she knows it's it's over. But she didn't know what Jesus was all about. So one by one, these guys are dropping rocks and walking away, and she probably heard the sound She didn't know, man, are you deceived after you die? Maybe they just hit me in the head with a rock. And then they're all gone. And then Jesus looks at her. He says, woman, look at me. He said, where are your condemners and your accusers now? She said, they're gone. She was having a really good day. And Jesus said, and neither do I condemn you. Neither do I accuse you. Now, here's the cool part. He said, now go and sin no more. Now, I'm convinced that she went and sinned no more. Because when you know what the goodness of God is really like and the forgiveness of God and what it's it's really like, you don't want to take advantage of that. Life just can't get any better than seeing Christ and the love that he has. If he would have looked at her and said, Woman, you are so nasty. You're so lucky I just saved your life. Now get up, you trashy self. Now get out of here and sin no more. (laughs) She would have went right back into sin because of the condemnation and the weight of all that, think about the heroes of the Bible. Jonah. He ran in the exact opposite direction from God, but we know who he is. Noah. He was the father of all drunks. Abraham. Man, we could tell you some of the mistakes that he made, but at 100 years of age, after he made some monumental mistakes, the Lord showed up and said, "Hey, at 100 years old, I want you to go to baby Us, It's time." Now, how many know that is nasty right there? Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right, let's move on. Isaac, he was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. We talked about him earlier. Gideon, he was afraid. Moses was a murderer. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. Uh, David, he was an adulterer and covered it with murder. Elijah, he was suicidal. Isaiah, that dude preached naked for three years. That is also nasty, all right? (laughs) Jeremiah, way too emotional. Probably like Pinterest. Peter, he he did not even know in Christ. Zacchaeus, too small. Paul, too religious. Elijah, too suicidal. Thomas, too negative. Timothy, too many stomach ulcers. Lazarus, the dude was dead for three days and God used him. So what's your excuse? We're always moving away instead of toward him. Look, Christianity is a blast when you understand that he's amazing at forgiving us that he knows what you're about, but he still wants you around. It's where you hear his voice, where you're led by him is in close proximity to him. Can I have an amen? Amen. Number two, number two, by the way, uh, an illustration of this, my son Hunter, uh, when he was four years old, I wanted him to catch a fish. Being a dad and all you, you know, you want to do that. So I I took him out and uh, we had never fished before. And I said, Hunter, you can write this down, boy. We're going to catch a fish today. Dad, is going to be amazing. So we're fishing, and an hour later, nothing. Another hour, or whatever, nothing. And so he didn't care. He started throwing rocks after about 10 minutes. He's like, Dad, check this out. So I kept trying. I so said, I told him we're going to catch a fish. We're going to catch a fish. So I'm finally fishing, and he didn't see me. And when I reeled in a fish, so I reeled it in real fast. I'm being quiet. I took it off my hook, put it on his hook, and I let his hook out. I said, Hunter, I really feel led by the Lord. If you come over here right now, you'll catch a fish, all right? Okay, manipulative, right? So, so he came over, and he goes, Dad, Dad, it's different. Dad, this is amazing Dad, He's jumping up and down. I was just feeling so good. The next day, I said, Hunter, what did we do yesterday? He said, we went fishing. I said, well, did we catch anything? He said, no, but you did. Then you took it off the hook, and then I... <laughs> I said, Hunter, you knew that the whole time? You seem happy. He said, I was happy, Dad. I was with you. <laughs> the ladies. Oh. <laughs> i tell you, your life can become so strong in God that just being close to him is all that you really care about. You could throw some rocks, catch a fish. You don't care what's up. You just want to be with him. Number two, be sincere in your declared dreams. There's this guy in the Bible, his name is Blind Bartimaeus. Very important you understand that this guy could not see his name was Bartimaeus. Everybody around him knew what was up. He starts screaming the name of Christ because Jesus is passing by. There's crowds there. You can read it in Mark 10 later on. And here he is yelling, Son of David, have mercy on me, Blind Bartimaeus. So Jesus... He stops. And by the way, the crowd is telling him, be quiet. We're tired of hearing from you. Stop yelling his name. And the Bible says he yelled all the more. Why did he yell all the more? Because when somebody has a dream, you can't get them to be quiet. It's the reason why I like your staff and your pastors. I I get around your pastors, and if I were to tell them, look, I don't really want to hear about your dream anymore. They're going to say, let me just tell you one more time, please. i got to tell you one more time. i got to tell you. Because they're not going to stop. But what about you? When's the last time you shared your dream with God? Jesus stops, walks over to blind Bartimaeus. Everybody knew he was blind, but this is what Jesus said. This is really weird. Jesus walked over to him and he said, what do you need? What is it you want me to do for you? Now, everybody had to say or be thinking, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but people had to be thinking, Jesus doesn't know what he needs. (laughs) He says, Jesus, I thought he knew everything. He don't even know that He's blind. Oh no, Jesus knew he was blind. Then why did he ask? I'll tell you why. He asked because he loves to hear what you're dreaming about. I think the Lord is standing in front of all of us right now saying, what do you want me to do for you? Come on, let's dream some dreams. What what do you want? Because one day when we get to heaven, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven someday. That's a good time to vote, man. Woo, yeah. Uh, When you get to heaven and you see the enormity of God and the power of his name, Maybe there'll be a chance that you'll look back to now and you'll think, why didn't I dream more? Why didn't I live on earth knowing that he was this big? Why was I always hesitating at church when it was time to give? I didn't even give. I acted like he wasn't big. When it was time to serve, I never showed up. I let other people do it because I was busy. But if I would have known that God was this big, I would have lived differently. I would have dreamt differently. I would have thought about life differently. I'm going to tell you, there's this guy in the Bible named Joseph, and his family saw him one time at a distance, and they elbowed one another, and they said, look, the dreamer is coming, and and I'm going to tell you why. Because you can tell from a long ways away, and you can certainly tell up close, who in your home has a dream and who has lost their dream. Are you at the peak of your dreams right now? What is it that you want God to do? The reason why he says, what do you want me to do for you is because he loves to hear you articulate your dream. Number three, be sincere in your confidence towards other people. Look, look at this verse, Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Look, if God is for you, who can be against you? He's the king of kings. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Look at me. You don't have to be intimidated by anyone. You can walk through life with confidence. You have God on your side. Especially people that are under 30 years of age. I was speaking to the men, and I'll bring this up. I'm shocked on how much fear overwhelms young people. How many of them choose a major in school that they hate because the one they really want to do, they're too afraid to choose it. How many business ideas that people have had, but they've never tried it because what if it didn't work? How many relationships are broken down, but one phone call could heal it, but they won't make the call because what if there's rejection? How many jobs that are not applied for? This builds all the way into relationships. Uh, Young men nowadays are afraid to talk to girls more than ever before. They'll do it texting all day long, but they will not speak to them. They have relationships sometimes, where they even break up in texting. I said, you can't break up. Y'all never had a relationship. <laughs> the, the guys in our church, I speak at them boldly. Come on, guys. Start talking. If you're a man of God, talk to the woman of God. I had one of them come over to me. and he said, I don't know what to say. What do I say? I said, all right. I'll come up with something. I said, we got scones over there by our coffee. Go over to her and say, you want a scone? He said, that's a great idea. I came up with that on my own. Go get them. He goes over to her. You want a scone? She said, yeah. So they sat down and ate the scone. And after it was done, it was so great, he came back over and he said, what do I do now? That was amazing. I said, stick with that. Stay in the pocket. man." He, so he went back there. He said, you want another scone the next Sunday? You want another scone? She goes, yeah. So they kept eating scones every Sunday. Their relationship was gaining. And, and so it was their weight. And then, but then, but then they got married in June of last year. Boom. Get you some of that. I told them they need to call their first kid either scone or Rick, my name. Number five, actually number four, be sincere with your walk with God. Now this is the one where it's going to get a little quiet in here. I'll just warn you, this is going to be intense. This might be as intense as anything I could talk to you about because it's it's humiliating, but it's it, it shows the picture of transparency. Also, if you're a pastor, I don't recommend that you do what it is that the Lord had me do to set me straight. But I built a pretty clear case that I was a fake for years. And I've already told you it's because partly because of the, the the false doctrine that I heard in that church I grew up in. But then when I went to Bible school, it really got crazy. In Bible school, and they still do this in some Bible schools, uh, but it's not as common as it used to be, but, but they would teach us, if you're going to be in the ministry, that you can't have friends, that it's a lonely place. Touch not the anointing type of teaching. Back in those days, 26 years ago, they taught us that you, you sit away from the people, even on, in chairs on the stage. Do you all remember those days? And you stay at a distance because you'll lose your anointing, the familiarity, and they, they would teach what it does. Basically, they were teaching us to fake our relationship with other people. They never really said that directly, but indirectly, they would teach that you had to always act like you had plenty of faith, plenty of word, uh, healthy marriage, uh, lots, lots going on for you. If you had a headache, you, you just between you and God to get it settled. And, and I remember thinking, God, I'm going gonna, gonna to be so alone. I remember driving through Louisiana and there's a bayou there called Bayou Self. And I was thinking, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm be by, by myself all the time. And uh, you know, every, I just knew it. So, so I, I bought into it. I believed them that I had to just fake it forever. So when I got in the ministry, my first year after I graduated from Bible school, we got married and I became a youth pastor that first year. And our first year, our marriage was horrible. Nothing was going right. We were fighting all the time. And, uh, and, and, and one day I had to speak to this large church. I was thinking about this sermon. And uh, so Michelle and I got into a fight now. I'm just yelling at her. So I told her, I said, Michelle, I'm sick of you. You just need to shut up. i had enough of you. Just shut up. I can't even deal with you. And she broke, my wife, my beautiful wife, man. So anyway, I remember the crash. I saw it. And I I didn't even know what to do about it, so I just left her there. Because I was a man of God. I had to go and get ready. And again, I was lonely because I had no friends to talk to. I was doing ministry the way I was trained. So I went into my office and I'm praying, Lord, I'm a man of God. I want to need a word from you, Lord. I got to preach. I got to get this. I kept hearing my wife crying in the other room. And then finally, I just knew that I I was so convicted by God. I just got on my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me. Something is wrong with me and I need your help. Okay. So I settled that account with him. But then I heard my wife crying. This was the harder part because I could talk to God about stuff, but, but I couldn't admit I was wrong to other people at that time. Still struggle with it a lot. So I walk in there and this was very awkward for me. My wife is crying. I didn't even know how to pat her. I'm just like at a distance, you know, patting her. And, uh, and I said, Michelle, forgive me. And we prayed together. And, And she forgave me, but she did look at me and said, what is wrong with you? Why are you talking to me like this? I didn't see this coming. I said, I don't know, babe. So I went back into my office, and this is where it gets weird, and this is is where it also gets punchy. And when I got back into my office, I felt the Lord, and I've already admitted it's hard for me to hear from God, but I know he spoke this to me. And he said, I forgive you, and so does your wife, But when you speak this weekend to the church, I want you to tell all of them what it is that you did to her. I was like, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) So so I remember remember thinking, God, I can't do that. Lord, they taught us in Bible school. You would never do that. They covered that the first semester. God, you need to go to Bible school. They'll clear that up right now. You would never suggest this to me if you knew. Well, how many know he didn't move? And I didn't move either. So I was preaching something different. And it was going really bad. And then finally, in the middle of the talk, I realized I'm not going down this road anymore. And in my mind, I could draw a picture right now if I was accurate. I could draw a picture in my mind when I closed my Bible, I thought this was the end of ministry for me. And I looked at my wife and I said, Michelle, will you forgive me? And I told them everything that I did. And I thought it was over. But at that moment, and this is what I want you to know, because this is what the scripture says. You draw near to God with a sincere heart. This is when he draws near to you. It's your move on this stuff. And it was at that moment when I'm asking Michelle to forgive me, in her mouth, she was shocked. Like she couldn't believe it. And it was at that moment where I sensed God like put his arms around me. Like this is my boy. Thanks for being real. I need this. I've been looking for people to do this. It was at that time that no one really came to me afterwards and checked on our marriage or anything. They would just be like, wow, that was amazing. So I said, wow, okay. I'll just keep faking it every now and then, divulge a little bit. There was this girl during that first year that my wife and I were counseling. This is the second big mistake. And we were trying to help her, and she she was very depressed. And then back in those days, I didn't understand... Clinical depression. I didn't understand chronic depression. And, and I was just trying to help her. And then one day I was just in a bad mood and I told the girl, I said, look, I don't even know how depressed you really are. I think you might just be coming over here all the time because you're, you're lonely and you just want to hang out with my wife and I. And she looked at me. She said, her name is Elise. She said, are you kidding me? You don't even, is that what you think? And I said, I'm not sure. I just wonder And that girl drove home, and she committed suicide. She she blew her brains out. Okay, I was a major contributor into that, as you can imagine. So it was at that point that I really started thinking about this fake thing because no one in my life knew that I totally checked out. I didn't enjoy my relationship with God. I didn't even wanna have a relationship with God. I hated being in the ministry. I was only in it because I was getting paid. I became a hireling. It was nothing like a sincere leader and pastor like you have on staff here. They would do it with, for nothing. But back in those days, I just was faking it. No one was asking me uh, how I was doing or am I okay because I, I was good at faking it. I knew when to tell a joke, when to say praise the Lord, when to sit on the front row and lift my hands and sing. And it hit me, no one knows I'm totally dead. I have this ability to fake my relationship with God in such a way that I can go through life for years this way. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that is not a gift from heaven. The early church, they had the power of God. Who wants the power of God? They had the power of God, but what was it for? It was, it was to expand the kingdom. And then they were together and every day they were together and they were being so real. The Bible says that God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And it says, and they were glad and they had sincere hearts. This is God's design, which leads me to the last point. Be sincere in your compassion for souls. It was this man in our church who fell into adultery. He was involved in a small group. I was really proud of him because he had never been involved in a small group but but he met this girl at work, and uh, he started going out on Friday nights and committing adultery with her and His small group found out about it now this church I was raised in was not like this church or your church. What they decided to do was to go out into the front yard and put chairs out in the front yard and when he came in at three in the morning, they wanted to be there, but not to condemn him, so he pulls into the driveway. <laughs> and all of his friends from the small group are on the front yard. I mean, awkward. (laughs) So he's like, what is going on? And he walks over to them, and this is what they said. They said, hey, bro, we miss you. You hadn't been in the group in about three weeks. We're just not the same without you. Just get some sleep. We love you. And he went inside. Next Friday night, he's with this lady again. His wife is so grieved. He pulls into the driveway, and they're there again. This time he walks over to him, and right when he gets to the group, he falls down, weeping and crying. And they prayed for him, and they won him back. Because they understood the value of a soul. There's a lot of reasons why the hand of God is on this church. I'll give you some. The integrity here, the truth that's being taught, the value of relationships. But there's one you've got to know about. This church cares about souls. And the Bible says, don't say in four months and then the harvest. No, lift up your eyes right now, for the harvest is right today. Today is a day of salvation. Pay attention to it today. You can come to this church for the rest of your life, and it'll minister to you. But the reason why this church exists is to build the kingdom. It's the value of a soul. And every time I speak, I always look around and try to find somebody who looks like they're hurting. And it just makes me minister better. And, and, I, and I was able to even do it just now before I got up during worship. I, somebody who'd looked discouraged. I'm telling you, it'll change your life the way when you start valuing a soul. When I'm with your staff, they, they value souls. They don't just value how large it is. They value every soul. A pastor, your, your pastor is a pastor. That couple, they, they pastor. A pastor is somebody, if they have 99 that are doing well and one is hurting, they're greed because the one is hurting. And that is your church. And you need to give the Lord a hand for that before I close this out. But, but many of you, but many of you, you haven't won someone to the Lord in a long time. And I think it has a lot to do with guilt, this condemnation, and you don't have a sincere relationship and people can tell. So this is what happened in our church. In the Bible Belt, there's real issues with people faking it. It's It's a major problem. And then one day, I told them this story, and I think it helped them, and I'll give it to you. My, my daughter, when she was four years old, she's a real strong-willed girl. Strong, she's the strongest-willed child I, I, I've ever seen. She's much different now, but when she was four, whoo! She saw a Hallmark movie once when she was four, and she saw this girl. It was a teenage girl who ran away from home. And she's four, and she goes, I'm going to run away from home. That just seems like that'll be fun. But I don't want to do it in the daytime because my parents are always holding my hand and they're in the room with me. So I need to go at night. This is when they're not really paying attention. And uh, she goes, but I don't want to go alone. I'm going to bring my two-year-old brother with me. He'd be fine. (laughs) So she packed the wagon, convinced him. In the middle of the night, she woke up. Not by an alarm clock. Her will woke her up. Just all of a sudden, it's time. (laughs) It's time. So she goes in and grabs, tries to grab Tanner. He doesn't want to go, so she says, whatever, called him a loser. <laughs> went, went downstairs, grabbed a wagon. Michelle and I are sleeping. She leaves the house. She goes down to the end of our street, took a right, another right, and then a left out of the subdivision to a four-lane highway. Car's there all the time. Zing, zong, zong. And Haley, we're sleeping. We don't even know what's going on. Haley's pulling a wagon down the street. Anyone with half an imagination could figure out where this could end up. Thank God, it's a good ending. She's going down the road, and this lady sees her and pulls over and says, "Young lady, what are you doing?" She said, "I'm running away from home, and it's so much fun." She said, "You don't need to be doing that. Come on, get in the car. I'm gonna take you home." She said, "No, ma'am, I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers." But the lady said, but you can walk up and down this highway. Your family is whacked. (laughs) So she can't get my daughter in the car, but she convinces my daughter to go home, and my daughter just decided she wanted to. And she turned around, and she's pulling this wagon, and this lady's behind her. Later on, I found out that my daughter was stopping every now and then. She had Skittles in the wagon. She was eating Skittles. (laughs) And she was petting her dolls and throwing out my son's diapers. She was mad at him. And uh, so the lady's following in her car all the way back to her home. I, can't, I don't even know how long this must have taken. And then in the middle of the night, there was a knock on the door. Michelle and I were asleep. We're, we're out. So, Michelle, did you hear that? She said, no, I didn't hear anything. Go to sleep, honey. So a little while later, Michelle, somebody's at the door. Go see what it is. So I went down. She followed me. I uh, heard these voices outside. And I opened the door. And there, there's this lady there who I don't know and my daughter who's upstairs sleeping. <laughs> and they tell me everything that you all now know. And I'm, I freaked out. I'm pretty calm. But I'm telling you, my wife finally looked. She grabbed me. She said, Rick, you need to calm down. I said, I can't. My daughter... I went over to that lady and thanked her. My wife and I are holding her and praying over her. I wanted to give her our house and everything. (laughs) And then she left. I've never seen her since. I don't even know her name. And we walked inside and and I started staring at Haley. And I've been looking at her ever since. (laughs) She's 20 now. I still stare at her like, what were you thinking? Okay, that's the end of that story. But let me tell you something that helps you. If Haley would have never come home that night, I would have never left that house. I'd still be living there. And every time the phone would ring, I'd run over to that phone, grab that phone, and this is how I would answer it. Haley, is it you, Haley? Because I'd be looking for my daughter. In fact, every friend that I would have would be based on one thing. It would be based on who was helping me find my daughter. And thus you have a church, if that's what a church is for, to bring some lost kids in, people that have wandered away. A church is not even just for you. It's for the people that are not here yet. And, I, and I'm telling you, there's nothing more addicting than being used by God. And I ask you, as long as you're a part of this church, remember the harvest. This church needs you. Bring in friends. At some point, if you bring an unchurched friend in, you're going to go, wow, I understand now what's really going on as they meet Christ and get discipled. And that's why the hand of God is on this church. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand. Come on all around this place. Thank you very much. Let's bow our heads and see what the Lord wants to do. I want to ask everybody to resist the urge of thinking of anyone else. And I just want you to get really honest with God. There, there are times in your life where you need to take your heart out and let, let it beat in, in, in front of God. And just, just be honest, like Jacob. What's your problem? He said, sir, I'm a deceiver. If you're here right now and you are not right with God, maybe you've never met him, or perhaps you have, but now you're not serving him? I don't know what the major hitch is. But some of you need to make decisions for all of him, not some of him. Maybe you used to walk with him and talk with him and know him by name. Perhaps it's been years since anything tangible and authentic has happened in community with God. So around the room, let's just be honest because look, this is how you draw near to God. God. It's like a lot of things happen when he says, oh, you're giving me something to work with now. So around the room, if you're not right with the Lord and you want to be, and I'm going to ask you right now to lift up your hands all around this room and say, I want it, I want it. I need to get right. Come on, I want it. Hands up high, I want it. Let me see. Don't put your hand down until I see in your area. All around, everywhere, hands everywhere. Okay, well then everybody in this place, just close your eyes and say this with me. Say, Lord God, I don't wanna play games, I wanna be sincere. I don't wanna manipulate my life, I want it to be right. And I come to you with boldness and I say I need you. I wanna serve you, I'm sorry for faking it. Make me real with you, forgive me of my sins, every one of them, secrets in my life, things I've gotten away with, things that I was caught around. I want a godly sorrow in my life. Forgive me, God. I thank you for your name. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys a lot. God bless you. Thanks for letting me speak to you.